Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. So in August of 2022, I had a vision. I saw a great dust storm in the distance and it was rushing towards me. And as it got closer, I realized it was gold dust and people were running into their homes to hide from it. And then the Holy Spirit revealed that this is God's provision for the end time harvest rushing towards us. And we are to stand and receive it, not run from it. When the Israelites left Egypt, they were given loads of silver and gold from the unrighteous. What do you think of that? (laughs) And it's not because the unrighteous wanted to give it to the Israelites. They were moved by the Spirit of God to just hand it over. Many times in the Bible, you'll find the Israelites collecting the spoils after winning a battle by the hand of God. It's not like the Israelites were so awesome, they just went out, went out and won the battle. God like worked a miracle, right? They won the battle, they got to go in and collect the spoils. So really, that was their work in the job. God did the work of the battle, and then they got to go in and collect the spoils. Well, we are going to once again see the ungodly turn their riches over to the righteous, It's happened many times before. It's going to happen again. We're going to win this war in America, and we're going to collect all the spoils. I got good news for you today. God has redeemed America. It's a decision that he's it's already been done in the spirit. We're working it out in the natural. You will see the redemption of America because God's not done with us yet. And I know people look at us like a lost cause, and I can understand why they do that. But I, I know God's heart, and I've heard him say it to me. I've, I've redeemed America. So walk it out and believe it with me. But this vision about the gold dust was a simple call to prepare for the end times wealth. Because if we don't prepare, we're going to run from the miraculous provision. We'll run back into our homes. We'll run back to where it's safe. And we cannot miss this. God needs these resources in our hands so that we can accomplish what he wants done during these last days. After my vision of the gold dust storm, the Holy Spirit gave me the interpretation. And here it is as I wrote it down two years ago. There is a great provision for my people. I need you to receive it and not reject it. You are the ones that I can trust with it because your hearts are pure and your motives are right. You will know exactly what you need to do with it. Isn't it wonderful that God considers us the ones who should have this? You'll know exactly what you need to do with it. I love that. That brings me great peace. It's like if a million dollars came into your hands today, what would you do with it? I can't say that I know exactly what it is, but according to this word, when it comes into my hands, the Lord's going to show me exactly what to do with it. What about 10 million? He'll show me exactly what to do with it. What about a billion dollars? What would you do with a billion dollars? Luke, when it comes, you'll know exactly what to do with it. So you may be thinking, why would I not receive a wealth transfer? Why would I not receive it? Well, I think there's many reasons. Some are going to be tempted to reject it because it'll be something you didn't work for. We'll be harvesting things that we didn't plant. And that's a challenge for those of us who want to earn their wealth. Do I have any, anybody in the room? You like to earn your wealth, so you're like, I don't know that I want to harvest things that I didn't plant. Others are going to be tempted to reject it because it seems too good to be true. This is too good to be true. So you're going to hold on to your skepticism rather than receive from God. Far be it from us. There will even be some who are tempted to reject it because you don't need it. You don't need it. You've been living in God's blessing of abundance for quite some time, and you just kind of settled into the the realm of wealth that you live in. 
So let's deal specifically with that third issue because I think all, almost all of us, I bet you all of us need to expand our capacity to receive. We all need to expand our capacity to receive. And you confirmed that for me last week. Whenever I invited you to receive a financial breakthrough and only five people responded who wanted to break through into the next level of financial provision. Five people. And then I had to twist your arm to get the rest of you to stand up. So we all need to expand our capacity. That was just an indicator. We all need to expand our capacity to receive. We need to become people who immediately respond, yes, when the Holy Spirit tells you to come up higher. Come up higher. Yes, I want to do that whether it's in finances or whatever the aspect of life is. If he says to come up higher, I say, yes, I'm coming up higher. You know, it's easy to settle into the level of wealth that we live in. Maybe our needs are taken care of. We have a little extra to have fun. Maybe we even have some solid investments going. And this applies to more people than you think. It's not just those who are making six figures a year. This is everybody who has what it takes to maintain the lifestyle that you have chosen. And I've been in this category most of my adult life, even back when Beth and I made $30,000 a year between the two of us, both working. I mean, we were really raking it in then, right? All the way to today where my business earns more than a six-figure income. At every income level, I've settled. I've settled. We had food and shelter. We were always given 10% tithes to our church. We were good. Life was good. But over and over, the Lord has rebuked me for settling and helped me to move on to the next level. For example, if I would have settled as a solopreneur, in case you've never heard that word before, that means when you're running your own business and it's just you, I was working for myself and I was generating a nice income. I had the freedom of choosing my own schedule. Like that sounds like a good life, right? Solopreneur life, good life. But if I would have settled there, I would have never grown the business to provide for employees as well. Not only that, but as my income grows, my generosity grows. And that's what I love about giving 10% because your generosity grows with your income. Because if you're not a percentage giver, your generosity tends to stay the same when your income increases. Nobody? Come on, do it again. Say it again. Hey, 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 hey. That's the beauty of percentage giving because your generosity grows with your income. Otherwise, if you just kind of like had it said, I give $100 a week or whatever, you'd be giving $100 a week even when you're making a million dollars a year. So many people have a hard time with this. They, they get upset. Like when somebody buys, when somebody at a, at a different level, have you ever noticed people are at a different level of wealth than you? All over the place, right? Even in this room, we're all at different levels of wealth. And we tend to get upset when somebody at a different level buys a new house or a car or whatever it is. And, and you think things like, you know, they should have given that money to the poor. They should have given that money to the poor. And this is the thing. It's like, so I just talked about generosity. Everybody's like, amen. And then I talk about having nice things for your, buying a nice home or a nice car. And everybody's like, eh. They should have given that money to the poor. And this might hurt a little, but if you have thoughts like that, which I'll admit, I've had many of thoughts, like not, not recently, because I dealt with that a long time ago. But there was a time where I lived my days like that. There's one, you're the one with the problem, not them. Because the root of those types of thoughts is jealousy. You want their wealth because you think that you could do better with it, is what you're saying. Right? Yeah. I know. When the Lord taught me that many years ago, that hurt. I was like, whew. And now I just say it all nonchalantly, right? It's like, just so you know, you're the one with the problem. So let me release you right now. When you get to heaven... 
God will not hold you accountable for how somebody else spent their money. Woo, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Man, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not gonna be your thing to deal with. That's good, I'm gonna say it again. When you get to heaven, God will not hold you accountable for how somebody else spent their money. So you can just let it go, let it go, let it go. Don't concern yourself with it at all. Like, you don't have to worry ever about how somebody else spends, oh, isn't that free? Come on, step into freedom with me. You don't have to worry. You, you don't have to, thank God, yeah, amen, amen. Let the criticism go too. We all like to criticize, they shouldn't have got that new car, especially if we're talking about ministers, right? We look at so-and-so minister, lives in a mansion or whatever, like they shouldn't be doing that. It's like, shut up. You're not gonna have to, you're not gonna have to answer for how they spent money. Let me show you something else that's gonna bring you freedom today. This is in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 16. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. If you are enhancing your life with your wealth, you're in good company with the godly, is what this is saying. If you're enhancing your life with wealth, you're in good company with the godly. God would consider that a godly activity. If you're enhancing your life, are you getting it? God is pleased when you love and care for your family with your wealth. All right, let it settle in. God is pleased when you love and care for your family with your wealth. He's pleased with that. Yes, be generous. And yes, enhance your life. It's, it isn't one or the other. God is more than enough to handle both. It's not one or the other. Yes, be generous. Yes, enhance your life. God says, do both. Can you do both? You can do both. So my question to you today is, have you settled where you're at? I found myself in this place way too many times. A little over seven years ago, I stumbled upon a house on Zillow that was like a dream come true. Anybody ever been searching Zillow and you find that, that dream house? But it was just outside of my capacity to receive. So I went by myself to drive by it. I didn't want Beth to know that I was dreaming outside of our comfort zone. <laughs> but when I got there, I, I just knew, like, this, God wants us to have this house. So I got to wrestle with that all the way home, and then I took a risk and told Beth. And then we went to go look at it. Beth had her list of desires for a house. I had my list of desires, and it met every one of them down to the last detail. I wanted a house in the trees that had gigabit internet. God's going to have to work a miracle for that one. Well, this house had both. It was in a neighborhood, but it backed a green belt full of dense, beautiful trees that I carved a little trail out between the trees. Oh, man, so good. Only one problem at this point. We go to look at the house. I thought the price was too much for us to handle. I was like, oh, we could I think we could do it, but it would be irresponsible. This would be irresponsible. So after much stressing about the numbers, we made an offer because God always has his way of just pushing me along anyway. Even when Cade's not cooperating, he just moves me along anyway. And we got the house and we lived there for five years and the house payment was never an issue. Actually, we ended up doubling our house payments so that we could pay it off faster. That's how much of a non-issue it was. We just doubled the house payment. And looking back, God used this house to expand my capacity to receive. If I would have settled back to where it was more comfortable instead of following where God was leading me, I wouldn't be where I am today because my capacity to receive still would have been this big. 
And I want to clarify that this isn't something that I tried to make happen. This was a spirit-led transaction. I'm not telling you all to go out and be irresponsible today. I'm telling you to be led by the Spirit. And when He leads you to be irresponsible, say yes. You see the difference? I wouldn't have done that without the prodding of the Holy Spirit because I'm a very uh, conservative type of guy. But after this, Beth and I, after the five years there, Beth and I started looking for a house on some land because our desires changed over the years and neighborhood life was no longer where we wanted to be. We wanted to raise horses and chickens and cattle and we wanted to be a part of solving the food problems of today and we wanted our kids to learn the value of working on a farm. And I guess we needed to learn the value of working on a farm too because neither of us ever had. All right. I don't know how many properties that we looked at. We went to Ramona, Oshaleta, Talala, Ulaga. I mean, you know you're out in the country when it's names like that, right? (laughs) Lots of great properties, but a bit too far from church life. So for over a year, we kept an eye on every new listing that came up. We're always looking. And we've tortured my mom, who is our realtor, by having us show us all the ones (laughs) that piqued our interest. I think she enjoyed it, though, because she got to spend time with us, right? I don't know. You'd have to ask her. (laughs) Finally, we found a house on 17 acres, only a mile from our neighborhood house cross-fenced with a pond and a garden. It was the perfect house for raising farm animals. And bonus, it even had a pool. Only one problem, it was a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath house, and with our five kids, we were hoping for something a little bit bigger. But we went to look at it anyway. I already knew the land was gorgeous because I had driven by it many times, and actually just a few weeks before it went on the market, I drove down the road where this house was, and I said, Lord, I would love to live on this street. But I know nobody's ever going to sell here because it's just an amazing place. And it's close to Owasso. It only takes me 12 minutes to get to church. So the land check, exactly what we want. The house, well, we went to see it with an open mind. And as soon as I walked in, I just had a connection in my spirit. I said, this is home. This is home. And I had no idea how the three-bedroom thing would work out, but I knew we'd figure it out. So I went home and I ran the numbers. Land is not cheap when you're only a few miles from town. (laughs) I don't know if you realize that. I found the right number, and it was $100,000 less than what they were asking. So I tortured my mom again, and I asked my mom to go put in this offer. And surprisingly, they agreed to our offer, and not only that, they were excited about our offer and excited for us to live in that house. So, so far, so good. I really didn't have to expand my capacity to receive just yet because the purchase price landed where I wanted it. We had a lot of equity in our previous home. it's all good. It's all good. And then a few days after listing our neighborhood home for sale, I heard the Spirit of God say, keep both houses. And I know the Lord's voice, and it was definitely His. But my reasoning took over instantly. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Why would I keep both? What? You want me to be a bad steward? Or you want me to be a bad steward, Lord? What's our current home going to do? Is it just going to sit here? I mean, we can't Airbnb it. We can't rent it because of our HOA. And on and on and on I went. I don't think the Lord was there anymore in this conversation because, you know, I was just there having my own fit. Until I convinced myself, I just dismissed what the Lord had said. It's like, surely he didn't say that. Couldn't have been. This house is in a very desirable location. It's a great house. Everybody expected it to be under contract just a few days after listing it. Here we are 10 days later. We had a few showings and no offers. And at this point, I was getting a bit nervous. I started looking at our competitors, the other houses that were listed, and I checked the MLS listing to make sure nothing was wrong. And I asked Beth if we should lower the price. Like, I'm freaking out in this moment, like. 
And after an hour or two of researching and fussing and our house not selling yet, Beth was moved by the Holy Spirit. Here's what she said to me. (laughs) I can remember when this happened. I am making this move easy for you. Stop making it difficult, is what the Holy Spirit said through Beth. I was like, whoa. I'm making this easy for you. Stop making it difficult. Although the lack of showings, it kind of hurt my feelings, if I'm honest. honest, Because I I was in love with this house. Like, I love this house. I'm like, this hurts my feelings. Why are people not coming to see this? It was actually kind of nice, though, because can you imagine getting a house ready to show with five small kids running around? It's something else. The house gets destroyed like this. Watch. (laughs) Nevertheless, I was willing to put in the work. I wanted this to be efficient. I planned on closing on both houses the same day. Like, I had this plan in my mind, right? We're closing on both houses the same day. Then we're going to move, and we're going to have plenty of cash in hand because all the equity in I mean, it's just going to be great. But the Lord was saying, quit being in a hurry, relax, and take this at my pace and my way, even if it doesn't make sense to your feeble mind. So I submitted at the moment to the rebuke, but in the days following, I was kind of like a yo-yo. One moment I'd say, let's do what the Lord wants and keep the house. And a few minutes later, I'd say, let's get this house sold ASAP. I'm serious. Like it was, it was wild up here. When our house had been listed for two weeks with still no offers, I asked Beth, what if we just kept this house? (laughs) What if we just kept this house as an office space for me and my team? We would have gigabit internet and my commute would be one mile to home. Both of our eyes lit up in that moment. We had found the purpose for God wanting us to keep both houses. We're like, ding, 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 we found it. So I spent the rest of my day reasoning it out, pros and cons, running the numbers, you know, all that kind of stuff. And even after all that, I knew it would work, yet I continued to yo-yo for days. So let me read you what I wrote in my notebook around that time. <laughs> I said, with this house situation, I'm like convincing myself. Anybody ever convince yourself in, your, in what you write down? With this house situation, what it comes down to is this. God is leading me to keep both. The door is open and I'm going to walk through it. See, I'm having a pep talk right here in my journal. Yeah, sure, I could find reasons not to, but God knows the future. His leading holds infinitely more wisdom than my reasoning. I will trust him and do what he's leading me to do. Keep both. No more reasoning and listing the pros and cons. Trust and rest. I'm glad I wrote that down because I had to come back and read that many times, right? So at this point, I mostly gave up the fight, although I still tempted to reason it out, but I did a pretty good job letting it go. Once my fretting was over, the Lord finally had an opportunity to teach me what was really going on, what he was up to. And he led me to Ephesians chapter three. And I've read this chapter more times than I can count. The core scripture for this church is Ephesians 3.20. I've read Ephesians three a lot, yet I knew the Lord was gonna show me something I hadn't seen yet. Ephesians three is where we discover God's resources are glorious and unlimited. Verse eight tells us that there are endless treasures available to us in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Endless treasures available to us in Christ. And I've always interpreted that to mean spiritual treasures. Anybody else? Endless spiritual treasures like joy and peace. But when you look up the original Greek word, you find out that it means abundance of external possessions. So when it talks about the endless treasures available to us in Christ, it's referring to everything inward and outward. Inward and outward. All of it. All of it. The question then becomes, how do we access this unlimited abundance? And that's what the Lord revealed to me. I want you to take a look at verse 19. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, because then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The word experience jumped out at me whenever I read it this time. To access the endless treasures, we must first submit to every 
experience of the love of Christ. So often we reject the experience that Jesus tries to give us. For example, the Lord gave me an experience of his love by making a way for me to keep both houses. I worked hard to come up with the many reasons that I should reject this experience of his love. But if I rejected it, I would have delayed my ability to walk in the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I would have also missed my opportunity to prepare for the wealth transfer. Endless wealth is fully available to us in Christ. We need to learn how to access it. And it's as simple as submitting to each experience of the love of Christ, no matter how crazy it seems to your mind. How many of you all can say that I've rejected an experience of God's love before? Raise your hand. He was trying to give you an experience of his love and you just threw it back in his face because it didn't make sense to you, because you were worried about how other people would think about it. The Lord wants to do things in your life that you cannot comprehend. If you try to reason it out, you're going to talk yourself out of it every time, every time. So you have a decision to make. Are you going to settle where you're at, where you're comfortable, where you can understand? Or are you going to submit to each experience of the love of Christ and let him accomplish infinitely more than you could ask or think? So I'm choosing to dive into each experience of his love. And I hope you'll join me in that. Just dive right into each experience of his love. You know, after the Apostle Paul wrote about the unlimited abundance of God in Ephesians, he issues a warning shortly thereafter. I want you to take a look. He says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. You know, greed is sneaky. It shows up to tempt you, and then you don't even realize what's going on. But not anymore, because I'm going to help you identify it and reject it. Are you ready? Greed is not an amount of money. It's a motive. You can be rich and greedy. You can be poor and greedy. Greed has two primary qualities. Number one, wanting what others have. Number two, accumulating as much as you can. So if you found yourself thinking, why does the Lord want Cade to have two houses? I don't even have one. When's the Lord going to do something for me? That's greed, trying to overtake your life. If you go to work and you think, they don't deserve that job, I would do it way better. I don't understand why they got promoted and I didn't. That is greed, trying to overtake your life. If the Lord leads you to do something that drains your savings account, but you struggle to give up your accumulated wealth, that is greed trying to overtake your life. Greed shows up in one of two ways, wanting what others have or accumulating and never letting go. Reject greed. Anytime you have thoughts like these, just reject them. Don't entertain them for one second. Cast down the ungodly thoughts because greed will lead you into a dark place. And here's a pro tip. One of the best ways to overcome greed is just to find some way to be generous in those moments. 
Every time you have a greedy thought, show it who's boss by leaving an outrageous tip at the restaurant, like just something outrageous. Or give away one of your favorite things to a friend. Or give an extra offering here at church. Generosity kills greed every time. Works like a charm. This can all be summed up in a short word the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart two years ago. He said this. He said, expand your capacity to receive. Stop limiting me with small thinking. Submit to the fact that you can't comprehend the amount of wealth available to you in Christ. You might as well take the cap off because I'm not capping it. It's a free flow, a rushing river, an endless supply. Don't try to store it up. Don't stop the flow by hanging on to it. Let it flow freely because there is always more to come. So who's ready for a wealth transfer? Hey, hey. The Holy Spirit revealed that the reason it's coming to us is because our hearts are pure and our motives are right. We will know exactly what we need to do with it. So it's time to start, this time that we're in right now, we need to just lean into the wisdom of God. When this wealth starts chasing us down, let's be ready. Let's be ready. Submit to each experience of the love of, the love of Christ. Just let him shock you with his generosity. Can you just let him shock you with his generosity? He gave us an experience of his love this morning, did he not? Did you submit to that experience of his love? Lord, we, uh, we commit ourselves to submitting to the experience of your love. When you come in and do something extravagant in our lives, we will say, yes, this is my God coming to be generous to me. And Lord, we will also not hold back from talking about your generosity. When you bless us, we're going to tell people about it. We're going to brag on you. Because you're so wonderful and you're so good. And we'll also tell people the same is available to you. You just got to submit to those experiences of the love of Christ. Lord, you will use these things, these, these natural things, these things that people can see to help us lead others to Christ. They're going to look at our life and be like, how in the world is that going on? And we will be able to tell them, this is the love of my God pouring out on me. My God is so generous. He's generous in every way. He's generous with his love. He's generous with his provision. He is generous in every way. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.